recording on yet another rainy night in Buenos Aires. Welcome to Hand of Todd. hours late with this recording but astonishingly it's been I think since I moved in here four months ago there have been about two recordings that haven't been on frankly pretty miserable evenings um, it was beautiful yesterday when we were supposed to record and today when we actually are recording it's been pissing it down with rain in the afternoon um, and it's not doing now but it wouldn't surprise me if it starts to again later I'm Sam Kelly and you are listening to Handapod episode 205 I'm joined this week by English Dan Hello and welcome, and thank you for the weather forecast, Sam. It's more of a weather recent history than a, yeah. a forecast. Well, no, Sam, what's going to be the next recording, for example? Rain. Can we expect sun? Rain? I'm, I'm guessing rain. Just every Wednesday or Thursday evening from now, regardless of how nice the weather is either side of those days. Um, and we're joined by a very special guest today, a gentleman who is a long-term listener, a first-time visitor, um, because he's in Buenos Aires for the weekend. Tony, welcome. Uh, thank you guys for reminding me. I've for just, just realised I don't know your surname. You, you don't? Why? Well, as far as I'm concerned, you're Tony Hotspur. I am. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking very much on, on the internet uh, world. I don't make YouTube videos and stuff like that. But I'm thankful for your inviting. And well, let's see what we're going to talk about it's today. Pleasure to have you here. Tony's girlfriend is also in the studio with us, but uh, is probably not going to be saying very much. Uh, <laughs> but hello, Sally. Nice to have you here. Um, we're sponsored, we should mention before we get going, by the Argentina Independents. They're the people who are paying for the booze that we are currently drinking. They're a fine source, as well as of, of alcohol to us, um, but to everybody else, they're a fine source of English language news and cultural bits and pieces and current affairs and very interesting historical essays and stuff on not just Argentina, but also the rest of Latin America. You can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com or follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indie. Thank you very much to them for the alcohol. And now we will get down and read you the scores from last weekend, which I just realised as I was saying that, that I didn't have up on my screen. And then I remembered that there was no league football last weekend, so I don't need to have them up on my screen because I can remember them. There were two matches last Friday evening uh, in the semi-finals of the Copa Argentina. Boca Juniors beat Lanús 2-0 in... San Juan. San Juan. San Juan, thank you, Dan. And... Uh, Racing versus Rosario Central was held in Salta. Dan was in Salta, but no, was in Jujuy. you were in Jujuy. That it's not quite the same. Basically, it's the same place. The north, but it's not quite the same. It's pretty much identical from what I've heard. I've not been. Um, Dan was in the north, uh, but did not go to the game, and it was just as well for him that he didn't because Central won. Was it one nil? One nil. With a header from Marco Ruin. So how surprising! Those are all of the results. That means that we have a Boca Juniors versus Rosario Central. Um, final of the Copa Argentina obviously um, at least one of those sides probably both of them but at least one are guaranteed to finish in the top two spots in the league 
um, as well and therefore get an automatic Copa Libertadores spot, which means that since if one of them does that but the other one doesn't, then the runners are then whichever of the others is in the final of the the Copa Argentina qualified by the Copa Argentina. It basically means that Boca and Central are now definitely in the group stages, both of them, of next year's Copa Libertadores. Um, San Lorenzo and Racing are the teams who are still able to get the second automatic spot, depending on results this coming weekend. We'll get onto that a little bit later. Um, if I'm remembering this correctly, I've not got the league table up. I should probably bring it up soon. Yeah, Racing basically needs Central and Boca to finish in the top two, and they've got the Copa Argentina place. But you can also overtake Central. If Central lose both of their remaining games and you win both of yours, then you can finish second still. Um, get it properly. Yeah, I think you're six behind Central with six to play, or maybe five behind Central. Aren't you? Anyway, let's talk about the the semi-finals. Actually, no, let's let's prove me right first of all, because I can bring the league up very quickly right now. Racing are fourth, and they are. They're only th- you're only three behind Central. You don't even need them to lose both oh, games. Fair enough. You could uh, make do with them drawing both of them, or drawing one and, and winning. Hang on, no, that, no, they need to draw, but they can't win either of them. It's easy yes, if Central win and just go into the top two. Right. Yes, probably is. Anyway, that's how sort of think about the semi-finals. What did we think? Uh, I only saw the final few minutes of the Boca game, which was basically new, uh, Lanús doing what a Barras Quilota team always does, and that's being a very bad loser, yeah. and getting two players sent off for really no real reason. They were rubbish. And they were rubbish. Yeah, but I'm, I'm really saying really I only saw the last 20 minutes, and that was, you know, let's just kick Boca because we lost. I know, uh, I know that I, I saw more than the last 20 minutes, and I know that... Um, Having watched Lanús this year, we maybe weren't expecting that much more of them, but they've reached the semi-finals of the Copa Argentina. I thought that they might have picked themselves up a bit and you know kept that good cup run going, even though they're rubbish in the league. But they just looked disinterested and, and very very disappointing. Um, Boca, I didn't think were particularly good either, but they didn't have to be. No, the keeper the Boca was was recovering from. The 3-1 defeat against Racing, which put the, the title celebrations on ice for a while. And it was obviously quite a blow to, to their, their confidence, their form, mainly because of the way they lost rather than the actual defeat. So I think the game on Friday was vital for them, even though obviously the title was the main consideration in Boca. Obviously they want to win both titles and it was key to just get them moving back again in the right way show that they they are still the the team that are, are leading the championship and have done for almost the entire year mm. and yeah I can't comment that much on the game because as I say I only saw the last 20 minutes when it was all going to hell but yeah I get the feeling they they won well against not particularly inspired opposition which they've pretty much done the whole year right yeah, they, they've been very, very good at um, getting results against, frankly, pretty poor teams. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you see the league, they've won three more games than any other team, even Central. Yeah. Uh, yeah, five, you know, yeah, but I, I think there are two things that we can see here that Lenos need another uh, coach now. Mm-hmm. I think that when Guillermo started to, to work with them, they have a lot of passion, even in the finals or, or final stages of anything. They they have the courage, that that spirit, that fire in the belly, 
to to fight for th- something, but they didn't know. Mm. It's like they get to the semifinals, and I think that got settled with that. Mm. And talking about Boca and the play, the way they didn't actually play really well. Well, like you were saying, Boca didn't play mm-hmm. really well the entire tournament. They get enough to win the I don't know ten teams mm. <laughs> that actually from the National B. It's like, okay, we win those games and we try to get results from the actual opposition mm. and there's not much like that because they lost with, with San Lorenzo, with Racing, the tougher teams. And I don't know how they're going to fare with Central if we are actually, uh, we really think about it. Mm. I mean, the, the, the few teams that can actually get an opposition to Boca, they get results. Only River, but because of, well, you know, it's a super classical and you have to win it. But I think that Boca as well needs some change. Maybe not in the in the way that, not in Arroba Arena particularly, but I think they, they need something more, something else, especially if they want to to recreate that Copa Libertadores mm. thing they were running a few years ago. I've seen... Um we may as well put this to you, Tony, because as you were saying to me before we started recording, you're a diehard Bostero. Uh, <laughs> and you invited him even all the same. I, I didn't time know until... Your foot was getting very sloppy these days, I, trying I to keep Boca fans up. I didn't know until, uh, until he yeah, turned up. Dear. He never talks about them. So. No, no, it's true. Well, I was forced. My, fa- my family tied me to, a bed, to my bed and told me that I had to be Boca, so yeah. Oh. Tony was telling me that uh, when he was a kid, his was it your aunt? Your uh, no, my my grandfather. Yeah, g- gave him a, a Boca shirt for Christmas one year, and he cried because he didn't want it. <laughs> and that's true. I, I was five. That sounds like a big normal reaction. <laughs> I'd cry if someone gave me a Boca shirt as well. I think. But anyway, I wanted to to put it out there because I've seen during Boca matches. Obviously, I spend a lot of time watching the game, and also on Twitter because I'm tweeting and following what other people are saying about the game. And there are one or two journalists who have laid into Arroba Barrena throughout the year, mm. saying he always gets the starting eleven wrong. The, the substitutions that he's going to make after that are always very predictable. Um, it, it always seems to be the same three or four names, and the first two are always the same guys in the same order because he's got to rescue the match, having put Boca on the back foot to start with. So, would a change of manager be a good thing? And a change of manager is something that we're going to be. Um, talking about quite a lot on Underpod later on in this episode but would would Boca be well served maybe looking for someone to replace Arroba Arena even if they win the league which it looks like they're going to personally I'd stick with Arroba Arena I don't think he's done a bad job at all um, what definitely hasn't helped this year is all the op- yeah the off-field stuff that's happened in Boca with the Libertadores and the pepper spray which really was a, a heavy blow for him. And I think you can see on, on the list of results, the two of the five defeats occurred right in that, in that time yeah. when they were just reeling after, after those very, very unpleasant episodes. Yeah, the, um, um, but I think they were on a really good run. Sorry to interrupt that, but I'll give some context to that. They were on a very, very good run. They were still unbeaten. And um, having won six of the... Six out of six, Lewandowski's group matches. Yes, not forget. of course, yeah. And, and obviously they, they beat River 2-0 in La Bombonera in the league and then they, the unpleasantness happened in the Libertadores and the match after that they drew 
I think that was in between the two legs actually wasn't it with Independiente and then they lost two yeah. in a row against Albacibi at home and away to Vélez which at the time was like oh that's maybe Vélez are getting back up into form but it turns out that Vélez very much weren't and that's just an awful <laughs> result um, they, I mean they got back on track then the last match before the Copa America break was the 4-0 win over Newell's but uh, and since then they've gone through the rest of the league like a train apart from these very peculiar defeats the one the 3-4 against Union and then San Lorenzo and Racing which maybe aren't so peculiar it was but fairly peculiar the San Lorenzo defeat as well because of course it was threatened in any shape or form until Betancourt turned out with his his brilliant assist mm. <laughs> but yeah as you're, as you're saying it's um, the river the, 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 the circumstances as much as the results seem to really knock them out of their stride yeah and if you're talking about you know effectiveness for the amount of points there's probably not that many Boca coaches you can you can stand up to Ibarco and also you have to remember the state Boca were in when he took over mm. it was Bianchi and they were going absolutely nowhere of course in January they invested a hell of a lot of cash in in the team and also Tevez coming in mid-season was was very important uh, both on the pitch and kind of his confidence the mentality but uh, I think he's done a pretty good job at Boca I personally wouldn't wouldn't want to get rid of him but it reminds me a lot of when River had Ramon Diaz mm-hmm. before Gachardo they won the no, league likes him, but, but yeah just just because they, they always won one nil playing really mm-hmm. awfully because it was a pain to, to watch but uh, there was that mixed sensation because many people when Gachardo was hired thought that even with uh, Diaz winning the league and everything even playing bad he sh- mm-hmm. should be keep having the job yeah. instead of, of being replaced by, by Gachardo but well th- it was a wise move anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah it turned out it turned out okay yeah on the effectiveness that Dan mentions there's uh, it's a very good point the, the, the league table um, at least on the page that, that we use uh, Universal Football they have a column at the end uh, the percentage of, of available points that the team have won mm-hmm. and Bocket at the moment um, they've, they've also got the league tables they're very easy to find at least for the previous four championships and um, Bocket's is considerably higher mm-hmm. um, than any of the last four champ. well sorry not four champions because of course Belles and Newell's weren't uh, weren't uh, they had to share one of them but um, it's considerably higher than any of the last four uh, short championship toppers what was the uh, Racing's Racing was uh, 71.93 and Bocca's so far this season is 72.62 so exactly I mean Racing did very well but River when they won the last year's Donnell final did it with Mm -hmm. just under 64% uh, yeah I remember well recently as well we've had a a run of uh, champions in the short tournaments who who won it with very few points Yeah, Mm -hmm. we had San Lorenzo that, that won it with 33 points and it, nothing. the obvious caveat to put on that is that uh, it would take a better mathematician than me to sit down and actually go through those numbers um, for a decent amount of time and work out to what extent Bocker's effectivity um, has been affected by the glut of as uh, Tony puts it Nacional Bayside who are currently in the Primera mm-hmm. um, because you've got to go down quite well you've got to go down in fact to mm-hmm. Fifth place Independiente have got an effectivity of over sixty percent still, so it suggests that maybe um, there is something in that. There are just more point, easy points to be picked up, I guess. Yeah, to be honest, I was talking more about Arreo Barrena compared to 
to other Boca coaches, no? like mm. in history. But That's I think Boca have always had this thing of just not um, not marrying any coach. Let's say it's kind of yeah, they can come in and do a job, but uh, you know, don't get comfortable. We want you to <laughs> want you to keep going and. But we're never going to give you too much leeway to, to get comfortable with. No, indeed. Um, the other semi-final. So the conclusion from the first semi-final in that case is that uh, Boca have reached the Copa Argentina final. Um, they're probably going to win the league. They have a very good chance of doing a domestic double, even though they're rubbish. Um, and uh, Robarena is uh, still... The jury's still out on him as a manager. Terrific. Terrific. Uh, <laughs> The other semi-final, I'm assuming, Dan, you saw more than the last 20 minutes of that one. I did. Unfortunately, I saw the whole game. Um, what did you make of it? It was a very tough game. Um, Central had that little bit of luck. Uh, and also, they're very lucky to have Ruin, who just keeps hitting the net. I mean, in the area, there's, there's no better finisher than him. And Racing, on the other hand, uh, you can talk about the the coaches' tactics and stuff, which were very, very kind of conservative, very timid going forward, leaving, well, Gustavo Wall was, was injured, but Melito was left on the bench, uh, Oscar Romero was left on the bench, they kind of went in with just Pavone up front, and behind him kind of this very, very defence-minded system with, with three central defensive midfielders, and, but, um, they could well have got something out of it Racing hit the post twice once with a, a great header from Nico Sanchez who, who later got himself sent off and on the whole you couldn't really argue about the result probably Central just about shaded it but I was very disappointed um, I thought that Racing had a very good chance of getting to the final and yeah they just fell short just as in uh, Libertadores is uh, they're just missing that kind of extra um, extra push to, to close these cup games which they've been able to do in the league and under uh, Coca I mean you saw last year the, the run of 10, 10 wins and this year they you know they've pushed fairly decently in in the league until the last few games despite having quite a tough run in um, but no they they didn't have what it took they needed a little bit more perhaps with Boom, there, fit, or Romero there. It was another game, but you can't, you can't really say. It was no. disappointing. It should be a good final. It's uh, Rosario Central's second final in as many seasons, of course, because they lost to Huracan on penalties, wasn't it? Yes, uh, yes. Last year, uh, whilst we were recording our fourth anniversary pod, I think it was. Um, the final is next Wednesday. It's in Cordoba. It was announced. Yesterday? Yes, sir, I think. Yesterday it was, wasn't it? Yeah, not today. Um, so, Wednesday. Um, and it's going to be played at, I'm assuming, something like 11 o'clock at night or some stupid time. Um, between Boca Juniors and Rosario Central, who, of course, also might, might yet, have to also play a final for the league championship. Um, we're keeping our fingers crossed on that one. We may as well talk now, then, about the chances of that, since we're already on domestic football. Um, this weekend we have the return of domestic action if you're wondering why there was no football last weekend um, in the league it's because the Argentine elections happened on Sunday and when there were elections in Argentina um, there is a law stating that nobody's allowed to have any fun that weekend so all the bars close early um, 
none of them open on Sunday until the election. No, no one's allowed to sell alcohol in the shops until 9pm. In yes. spite of the fact that the you can't vote after 6pm. I, I oh. really don't... I can just about understand why there's the, the dry rule, although obviously we don't have it in England, but I just I can't understand why. Well, on Sunday, on Sunday oh, afternoon I went uh, to watch the Bulmas in a bar, uh, right in the middle of voting, and we went and had a few beers, even though there were gendarmes on the other table. Mm. So, yes, respected to a certain extent. That's, that's in the countryside. Here in, in yeah. Buenos Aires, you're lucky if you manage to do that. Yeah. I keep, yeah, I keep going, into, going into my local in San Telmo and saying that they should open on Sundays and try and just do a deal with the local police where they can sell alcohol as long as the person has a foreign passport in their hands. You're trying, to, not to, vote. You're trying to imply that the, that the police might go in for some sort of unethical conduct here. Oh my outrageous. god. I'm gonna leave this apart right now. Outrageous, yeah, yeah. How can well, you besmirch the reputation of the Federal? My lips are sealed. This institution, so, my such lips an are institution. But anyway, uh, we have got three teams who can still mathematically win the Primera title this year. They are Boca Juniors, Rosario Central, and San Lorenzo are just hanging on to it by the skin of their teeth at the moment. Obviously, they lost to Olimpo in the last round of league matches. Um, that puts them six points behind Boca so they need to win both of their remaining matches they need Boca to lose both of their remaining matches they no, need they Central this one. Ah, San no, Lorenzo San Lorenzo they need Central to not win this weekend and then to beat Boca even though Central not winning this weekend will mean that Central can't win the league themselves and therefore won't have anything to play for um, in order to then force a, a tiebreaker so basically San Lorenzo aren't going to win the league um the fact they mathematically still can is why those three teams are all going to be playing at the same time on Sunday. They're all kicking off at 6pm after initially Central and San Lorenzo were scheduled to kick off two hours before um, and Central threw a bit of a hissy fit because, of course, if Boca already know that they've won the league before they kick off their match, then they can put out a bunch of substitutes and it'll give them an advantage for the Copa Argentina final, which is a few days later against Rosario Central. Um, the intriguing situation for me is that Boca have hit a bit of a dip in form um, in the league and when I say dip in form I mean they lost to Racing <laughs> that doesn't really make it's much sense does it? but the fact that they're, they're just in front and, and they've had let's say they've been a very disinterested not exactly very disinterested but a very out of sorts uh, Riverside at the Super Classical after that they've beaten Argentinos Juniors who I like Argentinos Juniors, but they're not very good. Um, they beat Banfield at home. Really peculiarly disinterested performance from Banfield, that one. And they beat Crucero and El Norte at home, which is like taking candy from an already dead baby or something, um, before losing to Racing. So although their, last, although their last four league games consist of three, uh, three wins and a defeat to a very good team, mm-hmm. it's not really particularly convincing. And they've got now two ties, which, if they win on Sunday, it's game over, regardless of what Central do. Um, but if they draw or lose to Tigre and Central win their match, uh, which is against... Anyone? Oh, they're away to Banfield, I think, aren't they? There we go. Are Banfield going to be interested this week? That's, that's the question. So, but it's, it's certainly one question. Yes, they are away it's to Banfield. one question. Um, so... What chances do we think there are of Boca not winning the league this weekend and therefore of having to go to Rosario and 
I mean, it would be draw or beat Central regardless of what happens, but uh, get a result against Central in order to win the league. And yeah. Is there much of a chance of that? Obviously, we all want it to happen. It would be fantastically dramatic, and I think that's how we'd feel even if we didn't really dislike Boca on Handapod. Um, from the neutral point of view, it would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's not really that likely, is it? No, it all depends on what happens with Tigre. And it's not an easy game either, by any means. Tigre could could put up some surprises. Uh, they've been a little up and down, I think, this I year. I think it was Tigre, in fact, who I was thinking have been out of sorts a bit in the last few weeks. They've drawn with Gimnasia away. They drew at home to San Lorenzo, of course, which was what really shot San Lorenzo's title hopes in the foot a few weeks ago. Uh, beat Argentino Juniors at the match I was at a few weeks ago. and then uh, Sorry, they lost to Argentino Juniors. And then they beat Banfield a um, week and a half ago. So who knows? You don't exactly. It very much depends which Tigre side turn up. I suspect, well, I'll wait for Mystic Sam's prediction later, but normal Sam suspects that um, the Boca are going to do enough to win the league this weekend. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think that something that will play here is the atmosphere. That depends on how Tigre approach the game. If they try to replicate what Union did, for example, mm. they didn't get scared of Boca or, or Aldo Civi. Aldo Civi, they went like... I don't care, I'm playing the Bobonera. Yeah. I don't care about anything, I'm going to try to do my game. If Tigre does that, maybe they can <coughs> they can draw, actually. And obviously Tigre, unlike Aldo Civi and Union, are, are a team who actually have some recent memories of winning in La Bobonera. Uh, exactly, yeah. Um, Plus you have to take into account, Cata uh, Diaz isn't going to be there, he's suspended. Yeah. As well. But isn't that good for Boca? Hmm? Isn't that good for Boca? I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> if you say so. Um, I don't know if they've got anyone else suspended. I know they had a hell of a lot of yellow uh, cards. Suspensions, on. I think, are Rebus and, and Diaz. Yeah. They've only got two suspended. Yeah. No, I'm going to have to see. I mean, I'm guessing Rolino come in in the centre. He actually had a pretty good game against Racing. I was, I was impressed with how he came in and in a pretty difficult situation. But I think what we're going to see in the Bombonero on Sunday is um, they're very kind of testy, impatient crowd. They're not mm. going to give Boca much time to settle they're going to you know from about yeah, the 5th 10th minute onwards it's going to be like come on score a goal you can't come on exactly yeah and we're going to see maybe with someone like Diaz they've got kind of the experience to, um, to block that out and just play their game obviously Tevez isn't going to have a problem with it but a few of the other guys if there's one thing this year Boca has shown us that they haven't been brilliant under pressure and this Sunday they're going to have a hell of a lot of pressure so We'll, we'll have to see what happens with that. The other intrigue with these two more intrigue. matches left to play, apart from the title race, is um, trying to work out who else in the league has got nothing at all to play for, or actually quite a lot to play for. Because, <laughs> it, bizarrely, for a team, a, a, a division of 30 teams where two teams get relegated at the end of the season, it's very difficult to pick outsiders who don't have anything to play for. I think Atletico de Rafaela mathematically speaking might be the only ones um, who actually can't just there's almost no point in them trying to get results at least in terms of what they can do this year yeah. uh, Little Bit Rafael are a second bottom of the championship but obviously that's not how relegation is decided in Argentina and they are mathematically safe of relegation this year um, and everybody else above them is either still capable of being relegated or 
is still playing for a Copa Sudamericana playoff spot at least. Well, that's am I Having said that, I think Arsenal this are also so. So basically, the Copa Feda, all they can do is to play Bastia on goal and try to save more penalties. No, just put them up front and see if it's got a hat trick. Obviously, Crusoe and Nod, they also don't have anything to play for because they're relegated. But. Well, I've got a theory, Sam, that you actually know more about this than, than most club coaches. I reckon that, uh, I don't know, Colón, I have no idea that they could still go in the sort of Americano or Huracán. I, I don't think they're going to could. I mean, I effecti- effecti- no one's analysed this in as much depth as you. Effectively, Colón can't really, but they're still they're, they're five points off 18th place with six points okay. to play for. So mathematically, they can still do it. And Colón are 26th. 18th place is the bottom official mm-hmm. spot for Sudamericana playoff spots. There is a small complication to this, um, which is that on... This is where we have to bring in the current Sudamericana, um, because obviously the best Argentine side in this year's Sudamericana gets into next year's Copa Libertadores. Um, if the best Argentine side in this year's Sudamericana turns out to be River Plate, um, which at least in terms of performances, it hasn't been <coughs> at all, but the, the one who gets furthest. If that turns out to be River, um, then the second best Argentine side in this year's Sudamericana get into next year's Libertadores because obviously River are already in it because they won this year's um, now first of all we're not going to know until after we record tonight how much longer we'll have to wait to find out who that is because in about an hour um, I think it kicks off at 9 doesn't it or is it 8.45 no I didn't in about an hour um, Independiente Santa Fe versus Independiente in the second leg of their quarterfinal kicks off in Bogota. Um, if Independiente win that, then they will have a semi-final of the Sudamericana against Huracan, who got through on Tuesday night with a nil-nil draw, wasn't it, against Defensor Sporting? Yes, after winning one 0 in the first leg. Bit nervy. Defensor Sporting could have done better, but um, good win. Uh, well, a good aggregate win for for Huracan. Um, if those two end up playing in the semi-final, then the second leg of the semi-final of the Copa Sudamericana is going to take place after the Ligishas, the, the AFA playoff tournaments to get into the two Continental Cups, are scheduled to start. But the result of that Copa Sudamericana semi-final affects which teams go into the Ligishas. And I don't know whether the AFA have actually realised yet that they might have to wait a week or two. I'd say, Sam, that you're living in a country where they organised a public holiday on the same week as, <laughs> as the a one possible presidential election runoff. And you're worried about the semi-final of the Sudamericana clashing with the Leisha. Well, you ask if <laughs> they are aware, I will, I will yeah. answer. No. no. <laughs> it's really simple. Well, indeed, yes. It was... Um, yeah, it, 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 it's, they clearly haven't. No. Because the championship is going to end on the weekend of the 8th of November. And the second leg of this, I think the first legs are going to be next week. Mm-hmm. The second legs are played on the week of the 25th for some reason. I think because of the FIFA dates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's why it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's the FIFA dates. So the second legs are played on the 25th of November. And I think the... Um, the Ligisha is scheduled to begin on the weekend of the 25th. So, sorry, the, uh, that's the Sunday. Sorry. No, it's not. That's the Sunday. That's no, the you're going back in time. So. Yes, I am. I thought I clicked forward on my calendar. This, so, yeah. The, oh, bloody hell. This, sorry. Windows is being silly and keeps moving me around. 
the second leg of the Sudamericanas are scheduled for the week of Wednesday the 25th of November, which is going to be a couple of days after the first Ligisha matches. No, it won't. won't it? No, it won't. You sure because that week's going to be Villa. So they've actually been it's saved be by the run. The Villa de Electoral. Oh, that's the runoff weekend. Indeed. Because mm-hmm. it had its schedule for what turns out to be the runoff weekend, as a result of which, the fact that the presidential election has gone to... This isn't the AFA presidential election, by the way, this is the Argentine presidential election. Mm-hmm. The fact that that's gone to a runoff is going to have turned out to save the AFA. There you go, the stars have all aligned. So the Liga star won the Libertadores. The Liga finished when the Libertadores start, basically. Mm-hmm. They're going to delay it and that's, keep um, running out. That's quite fortunate of them, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there you go. You are worried... For so many weeks for nothing. There oh, we go. It was all planned. You tried to explain something that you can't. Yeah. There we go. This uh, this this really does such a worrying word, Sam. But it was obviously like, there was a plan. It underlines something that long-term hand the pod listeners will be very aware of, which is that if you want to follow football in Argentina and do it properly, you really have to follow football and also follow politics in Argentina at the same time. Or just though. don't do it properly, like the vast majority of, of yeah. journalists. Yeah. Well, you can do that. Um, we won't go into too much detail there no. then, but what did we think of Huracan and particularly of Rivers' qualifications for the semi-final? I, think I didn't watch either game, so no, I'm just hoping in the opinion to go out tonight. And I had the unfortunate pleasure to to watch the River game yesterday with another Boca fan, my mm-hmm. brother-in-law, who was shouting to the television, trying to... <laughs> uh, trying to magically make the, the Brazilians make a goal and River I don't know it's like they actually run out of gas in any term physically tactically I know if you got Charlie's aware of all of that and I think that something that um, well it was really um, a matter of, of a discussion at the, at the uh, beginning of the year it's mm-hmm. how they don't have any rest yeah. during the, the, the calendar year and I think that that really long run with the, the travel to Asia and, and, and all the cups, mm-hmm. I think that they really have no gas at all, River. And they just win because of they can and they have a few players mm-hmm. that can solve a few problems, like Sanchez, that I don't know how, but he keep running all the game somehow. But other than that, I think River it's, it needs these months of rest. Even it's if amazing, they, they just keep flooding on at least in the sort of Americana not so much the league they do just about enough to to win at home and then take the defeat away and, and carry on yeah yeah. Uh, so and even in the semi-finals but they're playing Esportivo Luqueño right mm-hmm. well the Sam that, that, the depends, Sam on who wins, that depends on who wins well, this yeah. next match because yeah, if yeah. Uh, Independiente Santa Fe have a 1-0 advantage from the first leg against Independiente um, and if Independiente Santa Fe go through then obviously Huracan yeah, and River play each other in the semi-final. This actually wasn't written into the Sudamericana um, competition rules. They, it's been written into the Libertadores rules for a few years. It wasn't in the Sudamericana rules, but uh, Conmebol's current president, uh, Nicolas, Nicolas Naput, isn't it, um, confirmed it a couple of days ago, apparently. like Right before yeah. the Huracan match, somebody found him and said, what's going to happen if River and Huracan go through an independent they don't? Because the droppers or a kind of independiente through any, uh, together anyway mm. and he said yeah they'll have to play each other there we go um, we want to see the, the Ralph Sand Derby I reckon it's going to be much better we want to see what sorry the Ralph Sand Derby because Ralph Hanna is uh, a Luqueño fanatic oh sorry right yeah I wonder what the nice yeah. thing going on about that um <laughs> Yes, you're quite right. And Sportivo Luqueño, if it does turn out to be them who River face in the semis, have got a 
terrifying home record in this sort of Americana. Did you get Ralph to invite you up to, to Lugge for the week and then you can watch a match? Well, if Ralph invites me, then I'll, um, I'll, I'll consider the invitation. Yeah. Getting out of the country might be a bit of a problem, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> that, that's to be... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can uh, discuss that if it comes to it. Um, I hear the border between Paraguay and Argentina is pretty porous. So. <laughs> I've heard a lot of you see about the border. More people Paraguay coming into Argentina, Argentina, but you could sneak out, I'm sure. Yes, fine. Hide under the back of a pickup truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, actually, somebody getting turned away having to sneak into Paraguay from Argentina <laughs> would probably be a new one for An them. English person. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> an English person I can just imagine uh, the headline in, Cro- in Kronika after they're arrested sneaking into Paraguay mm-hmm. yes I don't want to think what Kronika would say about it but anyway that, <laughs> yes precisely that and the, the hashtags that they would have but, um, <laughs> do it just for the hashtags please it's tempting yes. but I think I'm probably not going to right. um, I wanted to talk about Something. I don't Go know on. if you've got more to say about the league and stuff, but there's I, I enough just, a match we haven't mentioned. I just wanted to say about the Sudamericana that last year's Sudamericana had the sense of being, I think for a lot of people, obviously the, the Libertadores that had come before it involved four types who'd never been in the, the Libertadores semi-finals before. Mm. Um, whereas the, the semi-finals of last year's Sudamericana involved four sides who had all won the Libertadores before. Mm-hmm. And as a result, last year's Sudamericana almost had a bit more glamour in the latter stages than the Libertadores had done. Obviously, it's not as big a tournament, but it sort of felt a bit more... And the matches somehow seemed a bit more open. This year's Sudamericana has been something of what people, I guess, might call a, a return to form. Because Oracan, as I say, it was backs-to-the-wall stuff, and they weren't particularly good. River were outright dreadful um, on Wednesday night. Eder Alvarez Balanta, the football manager hero that so many of you will be familiar with, um, apparently asked to be subbed. Uh, Leonardo Poncio was, was subbed... Um, during the second half and when he got to the bench he, he went over and had a word with Gachardo and said that while he was running off the pitch Balanta had stopped him and said look I'm having a fucking nightmare get Marcelo to take me off um, and he headbutted the um, the the roof over the dugout when he um, when he came off he was visibly very very angry at himself mm. um, they were all over the place just just terrible Lost 2-1, got a 4-3 aggregate win because, of course, they won the first leg 3-1. Mm. But it's not been fantastic. I have to admit, I didn't see the other match, the Sportivo Luqueño at Edgar Baranaense one. I'm assuming that that one was a bit better because in that one, uh, Sportivo Luqueño were 1-0 down from the first leg and they won it 2-0. So there was at least some drama there. I guess, well, I guess there was drama in the River and Huracan matches, given the context, but they weren't particularly good games. No, it seems like River are going to win the sort of any Ghana, but they're just they're kind of doing it out, out of habit, like, they got the habit of winning continental trophies. Mm. Like, so, like you know, an old married couple, they're they're going through the motions. No one's really getting very excited. It's fairly mechanical, fairly uh, passionless, but it gets the job done. And as you say, and as you say, Dan, a lot of it seems to be down to, to mental and physical fatigue because they've been going on and on for so long. And I just Plus think the teams they're playing them. I think that let's that's be honest, pretty dreadful. You know, they're not playing top draw teams. I don't know whether that means. I mean, if anything, that, that just makes it more obvious that they're doing really badly, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. What that's what I'm saying. But you say they're winning big games because of attitude. They're winning because they've got a very good team. Hmm. The others have got pretty bad teams. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, they're always winning badly. If they had lost, it would be, be a disaster. Yeah. You know? I mean, um, the sort of the idea is it's not four very good teams anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think that <laughs> this is another argument for... 
aligning the Commonwealth calendar and not allowing clubs to play both competitions in one year mm. because you should have both competitions taking place over the length of the season. The travel distances, are, as we've said several times before on this podcast, mm. are enormous. They, they dwarf the travel distances in Europe. Mm. And if you have the European Champions League being played over a six-month period and then the Europa League being played over the following six-month period, everybody in Europe would think that was absolutely insane. And particularly if you then allowed the same clubs into both competitions. Yeah, I think the idea that the Sudamericana winner gets automatic passage into both the Libertadores and the Sudamericana is, is ridiculous. Yeah, and we have to be lucky, and we are lucky actually, that uh, the Commonwealth didn't uh, invite it uh, clubs for for mm. the USA and yeah. there was for the now, idea I mean now, yeah. imagine I know trying to I don't know Columbus and they have to play <laughs> or, even, or, or yeah, yeah or, and they play to return to Buenos Aires and have to, to travel to Misiones to play Cosero Norte that would be interesting to see but yeah it, it will be a nightmare yeah. I'll, I'll do it as a fan I reckon yeah. but what were you going to <laughs> say Buenos Aires Canada Misiones no I was saying we've, we haven't talked about one big game that wasn't at the weekend but happened directly afterwards which luckily we have um, an expert in the subject which is Tacheres and their glorious <laughs> return to the Nacional League we have a after, real life what two years in in um, the Argentina yep yeah. we, we have a real life Cordobese person here sort of he lives in Cordoba Emily Minicorba yeah um I actually mentioned Dasheris de Cordoba on a recent uh, internet message board discussion about the shittest teams with enormous support in the world. 60,000 people in uh, the third division. division side, and they pack out the Mario Kempes, which has an official capacity of 57,000, but I suspect, given that a lot of that's terrorist, as you say, it's got a top 60,000 at times. Um, they Obviously, they only do that for the big games, but even so, I think it's impressive. And they are back in the Bay Nacional, which um, is... A spiritual home, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, if you only followed Argentina, the top flight here and now, but yeah, yeah, never if really you, stayed. But if you've only followed Argentine football for as long as Hander Pod has been in existence, or, or for not that long, then you probably think, and you could be forgiven for thinking that the hierarchy of Cordoba clubs goes Belgrano at the top, um, Instituto second, and Tacheres third, mm. and I think that there are more than a few people and not just Tacheres and Instituto fans who would actually tell you that Belgrano are only about the third biggest club in Cordoba, no? Well, that depends on how you want to look. In terms of fans, yeah, I think the the, Tacheres is really big. The scenes of, I know, uh, going to the the main uh, square in Cordoba and I know if you know, but the the club actually, Tacheres, it's uh, besides the the main square. It's it's really far away from the the stadium. Mm -hmm. Uh, from the Tachera Stadium, not the Kempes, which is actually more far away. Uh, they ha- made a, a, a row, a line of, I don't know, four blocks to get a ticket. And wow. it, it was really impressive, you know, the, the support that the Tacheres have. In, the game was in Formosa, right? Yeah, but actually yeah. In, for the, the, the game against, um, I think it was Juventud Antoniana in Cordoba. Yeah. And they really pack up the stadium, and they were really happy, you know, with the the, the promotion and, and stuff. And well, in the hierarchy of, of the Cordoba clubs, Belgrano it's maybe the, the biggest, but because now they have the, this really this this run in the Primera, but Tacheres is the only one that actually won a title, mm-hmm. won the Conmebol, which is 
Yeah, very much the, 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 the variation of now the Copa Sudamericana. And they went very close to winning a um, Nacional title mm-hmm. as well in 77, I think. Yeah. And when they lost uh, in the Peniente, despite having three more men on the field, but then Bartoni and Bocchini did, did their magic. I am really surprised of the knowledge of Independiente of you. Um, Tacheres, Tacheres. I was reading a Tacheres article and I, I see, I see. horrible Independiente facts just jumped in my brain like a tick. Okay, but yeah, Tacheres have the, the, the biggest history and a lot of people following them and and you have to, to listen to, to the people celebrating and just random people in the car, you know, hucking and <laughs> screaming stuff in Cordobes, which sometimes is, it's really hard to understand. But There's one great thing about Tacheres as well, which always makes me laugh. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, uh, in their banners and flags uh, that they take to the stadium, um, they never use the, the letter B. It's always a V. Yep. Oh, I didn't realise. Yep. They don't because use it. B is Magrano's name and has no business on any of their, oh, interesting. their flags. Yeah. So if they make it to the Premier and, and uh, the other team's going to get the ghost of the BL for them with a different sense. Mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Belgrano, probably. I want to yeah. talk about it with, with some Cordobes and come back and, and tell you. Us. I think so. And then, we have, yeah. and then we have Instituto that, you know, they, yeah. they are there in Cordoba and mm-hmm. that's it. Mm. They, they're not really... Uh, big or have a good history. They won just the national league once uh-huh. in the nineties, and that's it. So you would the institute. I think the coaches, right? The the coaches of Cordoba. Yeah. So if you had to to categorize the the three Cordoba clubs in terms I, of the biggest, I think the Belgrano and, and the Shedes are head to head for. Okay. I couldn't decide to be uh-huh. honest because the Shedes have a, a good history in the past, but now Belgrano is, mm. is really good. And I think they have a good project going on with Zielinski and mm-hmm. all the, the, the youngsters and a few oldies with Perez and, <laughs> and, and stuff. And, well, Instituto, it's, well, like you said, it's yeah. a cold chest. They, when they, they have three teams to, to get promoted, they mm-hmm. get four, then they got five, they get six, and they're always trying to, to be there, but they, they lack the... Yeah. The, um, final sh- the, the, the final rush to get to the to the finish line. I'll never forget that, that campaign in when River in the mm. Nacional B and Instituto had everything to win. They had Divala who was tearing up the division, this seventeen year old whiz kid and they had another good kid up front as well who hasn't gone quite as far. But I can't remember the name. Oh, and it looked like they were gonna walk promotion, but mm. in the last weeks it's just yep. free fall. It's incredible and I think they Ended up missing out by a point or yep. so, and they finished fourth just in the first year when they when there wasn't promotion and they didn't have another chance. Yeah, that, 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 that was happening when Instituto. The promotion, they, they fell out. And that yeah. was happening when Instituto. Yeah. They always get really good at the beginning and then they just disappear of the of the mm-hmm. conversation. And then River get Charini. They're racing of Cordoba. Yeah, but it's more like a mm. history that you told to your kids and then actually club. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> On that note, we are going to refill our glasses um, and take a quick break. When we get back, we are going to discuss the Argentina sides, um, which the Argentina squad, which has been named for the upcoming World Cup qualifiers, for which I 
collected my <coughs> ticket yesterday um, for the Brazil match. I need to see if I can get accreditation. It's still up in here. Better get on that, Dan. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, my work's doing it, but it depends how many we're given. We need to. We're going to discuss um, that squad. Why it might not be uh, looking quite as it was when Gerardo Martino named it after Pablo Sabaleta's injury on Wednesday. Tuesday, can't remember. Um, and uh, also we're going to answer some listeners' questions, of which, partly because we're recording 24 hours later this week, we have had rather a lot. So don't go anywhere. thing I'm going to do is refresh our minds, after refreshing our glasses, by reading out, in case we've forgotten in the last couple of days, um, what Gerardo Martino's squad for the World Cup qualifiers is. Basically the same, we can say. Pretty much the same, with a couple of important changes. Um, Argentina played Brazil in the Estadio Monumental on the 12th of November, which is a Thursday, and then the following Tuesday, which is the 17th. They are away to Colombia, so no pressure there after getting one point from the first two matches. Um, the goalkeepers are Sergio Romero, Noel Guzman and Agustin Marquesin. Surprises, comments? No. There are none. We have I, still want, I still want Roli, but well. We have I a still question want about it, which in fact your comment there is, is going to lead into, so hold that thought for the moment. Um, defenders... Um, we're going to have one change here, I suspect, before much longer. Pablo Sabaleta, um, of course, got an injury yesterday playing for Manchester City in the League Cup against somebody who won Manchester City. Um, I can't remember what. And that he's out for this, but he was in the squad initially. Facundo Roncaglia is the backup right back. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. It works so well against Ecuador. It, it's a good thing Brazil are just as shit, isn't it, really? Mm. Um, <laughs> Ezequiel Garay Nicolás Otamendi Martín de Michelis Ramiro Funes Mori uh, who Premier League watchers will now be fully conversant with um, and probably quite impressed by if the tweets I get from Everton fans or anything to go by and uh, Marcos Rojo are the uh, def- oh and Emmanuel Mas with apologies to him are the other defenders one guy that's fallen out of the squad that if anyone cared about him would have made a great title go on Locacotiara Casco. He's not been very good for real play. He's not for them. You want to you want to to work to for Kronika, right? I do. It's my dream. I would work for free for Kronika if they offer me the job. The thing is, we're we're both English, and so the the need to constantly make bad puns is is something that's almost it transcends language. But um, but, (laughs) yeah, well, exactly. Um, The midfielders are Matthias Kranewitter. Uh, Javier Mascherano, Lucas Biglia, Eber Banega, Enzo Perez, Javier Pastore, in spite of his performances in the first couple of matches of the qualifiers, in which it looked like he was doing his very best to never play for Argentina again. Yeah. Eric Lamela, Tony's going to be happy with that, I'm assuming, and Angel Di Maria. Yeah. Banega um, and Perez coming in after dropping out of the last squad with injury. Yes. Um, which Still could be very particularly Paris. Like, exactly, yeah, I mean, particularly Paris should be a, a, a good boost to them again, but mm-hmm. there's a shortage in midfield. 
as, as we discussed before. No, Pereira, I don't know if he's injured or just not playing very well in a pretty awful Juventus side. I'll have a look for him in a second. Yeah. Um, and the forwards are Carlos Tevez, who continues to be called up just because he's Carlos Tevez. Paolo Dybala, again, Ezequiel Lavezzi, Angel Correa, Nicolas Gaetan, and the in-form striker mm-hmm. of Serie A, or so we're led to believe at least, uh, Gonzalo Higuain is probably got in the squad. Sergio Aguero obviously is injured. He got injured during the last lot. And Lionel Messi has been decided he's not going to be fit, which means that I'm going to be able to say I've been to Argentina v Brazil. And it's going to be, I think, the first Argentina national team match that I'm going to be watching in which Messi's not going to be on the pitch, which is a bittersweet pill to swallow, it has to be said. Um, what do you both make of the squad? Again, uh, as I just said, it's very short in the midfield. Uh, I'd like to see someone more mobile there, like Pereira. I think I made this point in the last squad where this was the problem. It's kind of very static midfield that doesn't get the team the team going particularly Enzo Perez if he's fit does give you that kind of box to box man just to interrupt you Dan um, I've just googled Roberto Pereira and he is out with a muscular problem which isn't very specific but Mm. there we are out till December yeah Um, so yeah it's the midfield again um, doesn't look particularly Particularly awe-inspiring, although I think Banega and Perez, if they're in, if they're in shape, are, are very good additions. Um, Pereira aside, yeah. Is, is there anybody who isn't getting called? Obviously, you know, Di Maria this, this has, has been, of wasn't called up for the first lot of squads. He just moved to Paris and he's back in now. There are players who drop in and out, but is there anybody who just hasn't had a call up yet who you think is screaming out to be to to, to plug that gap and to be? pushing everybody slightly further forward and therefore getting Messi playing in the final third more than in the midfield third. It's tough. You could make a case for um, Augusto Fernandes who's playing very well in Celta but there's never, you know, perhaps he's not by talent and the kind of mm-hmm. the guy you scream out to, to put in the squad. But he could do a job. Like, he's, not, um, he's not a bad shell. And apart from that, you know, we had obviously in the Savela era, he used um, Jose Sosa in, in that role, which I think we all said what needed to be said about Jose Sosa, except for Joel, of course, who yeah. was always a, a fierce defender of um, Jose Sosa. Maybe right. time will time will give him <coughs> give him his juice. Well, I think it did. Yeah, and I think Jose Sosa once he got a run in the team for Argentina, pretty he, he did his job. I, I, I think that job. Joel was. Um, Where is Sosa right. these days? I'm going to look him up now. He was in Atletico very briefly, and and now, yeah, I don't know. My browser is an experimental yeah. version, which keeps doing this annoying thing where I can't see the new tab button. So, mm. hope, yeah, there we are. I mean, I'll, I wonder if someone like Correa can play further back. Well, I mean, he didn't come into San Lorenzo at least as an out and out forward, but it seems that um, Martinez always had this row in mind for him. Uh, he's with Besiktas, by the way. Besiktas. He's born in somewhere that um, I've never bloody heard of. Carcaraña. Carcaraña. Oh, yeah, I know that place. Yeah. He's in Santa Fe, yes. Oh, there we go. There we go. 47 kilometers west of Rosario. Yep. There we go. So that's near where. Sorry? That's near where you're from? Nope. No. You're Santa still Fe confused. <laughs> it's part of the Santa Fe 
Uh, oh, of course, you're in Trabrio, uh, sorry. Yeah, I'm going to make a, an entire podcast. So. We, we, of, the reason I thought of Russian teenager was, geography for, for before yeah. you arrived, Dan, we were having a, a <laughs> chat with Tony about where he was born, and um, his girlfriend is the first. Uh, is the first person that uh, Tony had ever met who'd actually been there. Huh? Nobody else had ever heard of it. He says when he told me before, <laughs> and uh, I just noticed this place and thought that's got to be a fairly similar place. I'm assuming. Nope. <laughs> sorry for that sidetrack. Let's get back to what you were saying, Dan. Yes, and in the field you've got these kind of names. The young guys coming through, it's, it's not... Pos- the problem is it's not a position that, that's used in Argentine football. Uh, since most uh, most coaches prefer 4-4-2 or 4 2 three, one, maybe. But it's a, it's a position that... I mean, obviously, as, as for uh, River, Sanchez does it, and he does it yeah. extremely well. Exactly. But it's not a position... I mean, this is a problem. If Martino's playing in a way that no other Argentine clubs are playing um, and also the youth teams I mean we could probably talk about the under 17s they're r- rousing failure I think there's only one way to say it I know you have your own thoughts on this but this is a problem I mean it comes back to what we always talk about you know this the Argentine youth divisions post Pekerman and kind of the problems in mm in imposing this kind of Argentine style. If it's not being played in Argentina and it's not being played in the youth teams, where's it going to come from? I mean, how, where are you going to find the players that know how to play in this football? Which it's is one reason, surely, that, that Martino, when he took over, was so insistent that once the... Is it the, the Olympic? No, it was after the last uh, Under-20 World Cup, wasn't it? Once, once that's finished, yeah. Humberto Grandona is out... And Martino wants to take over the youth divisions. Yeah, um, but it's got to stop from under seventeen. But as if well, Martino right? isn't going to last very long in the senior job, which he could be, he moment. could have as short as two matches. To be so, brutally honest, in which case, okay. First of all, um, as you as you quite rightly say, and, and as you said in in uh, an editorial just after the last lot of, of qualifiers for mm. for goal, we should mention at this juncture that Dan is now back on on goal.com South American section. Um, and not just South American section no, largely. a little bit of everything um, so you can find his writing there again now um, but as, as, as we mentioned then uh, as Dan mentioned then and as we I don't think you were in the recording after that but I've read the article and, and made the same point because I thought it was a very good one that you made um, if we're looking for a midfielder who can, who can as I said a minute ago sort of push everybody particularly Messi further mm. on the pitch I mean that Messi's getting more touches in the final third more like he does for Barcelona then where is that going to come from? I mean, yeah, yeah that's <clears throat> part of the problem. First, you have a lot of names actually. Mm-hmm. You don't have a team, mm. to be honest. I mean, the, okay, you have to work on it, and Martino doesn't have it, really enough time to to create. You the, say the, he hasn't got time, the, but this is essentially the same group of players. Yeah, because the, together he tries to. 2011. He tries to. Team. Yeah. He tried to do that and yeah. tried to add a few names like Cranavita, mm-hmm. Mas, Dybala. And but you think that, I mean, Cranavita is a player who's got the potential to have that effect because he's more direct in his passing than yep. Mascherano is and because he's more forward-looking mm-hmm. than Mascherano. But if he's not going to... If, if you're going to do that, then really, I guess you want him replacing Mascherano rather than sitting alongside Mascherano mm-hmm. in the midfield. As we've said before, I think, and I think that Dan agrees with me, it would make sense to, to put Mascherano as centre-back yes, yeah. um, and, and have Kranovita as that number five. There are going to be people who suggest Mascherano alongside Kranovita. That worked pretty well away to Paraguay, but I think long-term, 
Kranovic is going to be taking over from Mascherano anyway, so yeah. why not give him the chance? But, it, yeah. but there's not uh, in the younger system of any Argentinian club, all the number fives have to only defend. That's mm. only you. Is that you see the Which ten have to create? Yeah, yeah, of course. The yeah. The and they uh, learn to try to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the, the the other midfielders and not only take uh, the defensive role, mm-hmm. where it's, uh, and as the only role in in the, in the match and it's in not, Europe, they do that in Europe. Once yeah. they leave Argentina, and so I guess it's not just that as well. I mean, if you look back in Argentine football, uh, twenty years ago or maybe thirteen, uh, teams only played with one number five. Yes, now <coughs> they play with two. But that's part Every of team plays with that's two part of the but I think as well that some of that is is because of the the vogue in in Europe as much as anywhere because that's where a lot of, of the tactical innovation is happening for four two three one, mm-hmm. and the way that Argentine sides or Argent- from the Argentine point of view that looks like what's universally referred to as the doble cinco, mm-hmm. the double five. Whereas in Europe it's just well a two man midfield with three more midfielders. Sort yes. of yeah. Whereas here it, it's thought of as right these two guys are sitting. Mm-hmm. Well, no, do they both have to sit? You know, it's a bit more fluid than that. Yeah, but that's that's the well, thing with it. what happens. You have two yeah. pretty static midfielders. That's the thing with the 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 creation of the torneos cortos mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, they yeah. have to be more defensive. Yeah, because you can't and lose. Every, you can you can lose. You you mm-hmm. lose three games a half of the conversation for the title, or you are relegated basically for the people. Mm-hmm. So they have ten or fifteen years of creating a lot of defensive mind players from the midfield mm-hmm. you know they have to be back they have to track the, the runs and do everything to be defensive they mm-hmm. have to think first mm-hmm. on off defense which is not bad in a five but sometimes a number five only do that in Argentinian football so they have mm-hmm. to create that but they have to do it when Messi was younger so mm-hmm. they can uh, you know complement later mm-hmm. Well, now with with all the the, the things is is done and there's a a, fi- a work of yeah. final loss, it's well very late to I guess to well. argue argument. But you know, they have to 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 be more have more versatility when they create players in the youth, in the youth system. Yeah, the last one you can probably say really really world class was was Cambiaso, mm-hmm. and since then no one's really been able to um, to step into that to that role. Even Cambiaso when he came back. <laughs> So this, yeah, this is a problem. That's for me more serious than the lack of the the number nine, which we saw, of course, in the last two games, and now which has been partially remedied uh, with um, Iwain's return from that long, long international exile. And he suffered. <laughs> yeah, he suffered. But still, no Icardi, and that's really, really starting to piss me off. Let's yeah, let's just get over this, okay? He went off with Wanda, yeah, he's a bad person, he hasn't got goal, he goes, that's fine, yeah, but he scores goals. Yep. That's yeah, it. Uh, Let bygones be guys. Regular listeners will be fully aware that we're no fans of Mallory Cardi on a personal level. He made Wanda his agent, now I'm a fan of him. It's, it's <laughs> a gutsy move. It's a really gutsy move. But I'm obviously, I mean, football isn't... At some point, you've got to accept that he's, he's, he's one of the best... Um, the most informed strikers hmm. that they've got. I'd also, I wouldn't mind possibly if you're going to insist <coughs> on not calling up Picardi. And the other thing with not calling up Picardi is it's a little bit daft because it's not as if Maxi Lopez is a member of the squad. <laughs> you know, if, if Maxi Lopez was 
Lionel Messi, mm. then you could understand, yeah, okay, I can see how he might not want to... You I know, think the problem is Maxi Lopez has played Maxi with so Lopez many clubs is... that he has friends everywhere. Well, kind of quite very well yeah, connected. Okay. Maybe it's that. Maybe <laughs> and, then, it's and then, then you have good friends with or something like that. But. <laughs> then you have people that want this hunt, which is informed, of course. But I don't see it as a number nine for Argentina. He, he's informed. But I was, I was going to suggest Ushua. Yeah, maybe that, that kind of forward at least. If you're dead set on just not calling up Mauro Icardi, whatever you do, mm. but you obviously need a bit of fresh blood. Leonardo Ushua is playing fantastically now for the last year and a bit. Mm-hmm. No, before that with Brighton he was, he was oh, no, sure, no, yeah. I'm, I'm aware of that but I mean the point is I can understand him not being called up while he's in the championship mm-hmm. when he got promoted it was when Leicester got promoted it, 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 there was a, a sort of well you know how much is this going to stick mm-hmm. and it, actually it turns out that he looked perfectly okay yeah. he, he looked but perfectly they, okay. he have options he's not Jamie Vardy but you can't no. call up Jamie Vardy if you're because he's not Argentine and he's so. not Gustavo Gold but, but was injured so you have to make do with but that's the thing you, you have options in, in in the striker role you have a lot of options and you can be yeah. a stubborn and not call it up but the well, other positions yeah Ruben, and then you have positions that you should be more you should be have options yeah like the number three then mm. the, the last few years you have Insua you have Ansaldi mm-hmm. a lot of, of players that didn't fill up the the, the the, the shoes of Sorin, yeah. for example, and Sorin was fast, fantastic, and we didn't want to like. be. Because if ever there was a player who kids growing up were going to look at and go, "Oh, that guy really makes me want to be a fullback," it was Sorin. But plenty of guys. So why why aren't more of them? There's no because plenty of guys came through being fullbacks, but then they were pushed up front because they could play or not up front playing to the midfield. Then you have a. Yeah. Well, they'd all seen as soon as they showed any sort of talent it's like now nah, you're too good for fullback go, go play in the midfield yep and then you have Roncaglia as number four yeah if, which is and we if Roncaglia is marking Neymar in the Monumental I'm going to cry and I'm not going to watch a minute of the game because it's going to be just too painful yep. Neymar's going to turn it inside out it must be said that happy though I am to be able to say in about two weeks oh in two weeks time actually I'm going to be there waiting for kickoff. Um, that I'll have been to Argentina v Brazil in the World Cup qualifiers it, it's possibly going to be in terms of the names on the squad list and particularly obviously as I've already mentioned in terms of the fact that Messi isn't fit for it it's also um, Dunga it might turn Dunga out Dunga has that touch against Argentina well mm. he just can't beat but, the fucker but also it's, it's also not a particularly inspiring Brazil squad we're not going to name it all now but um, no. it's no secret, of course, that Brazil have been not quite looking like themselves for the last oh, three decades. Um, but yeah, it might turn out to be the most underwhelming Argentina v Brazil of the 21st century so far, and therefore really, I guess, of all time. But uh, I will still have been to Argentina v Brazil, and so I'm still excited about it. We're now going to move on to listeners' questions, because otherwise we're going to start getting very, very late indeed. And we're going to begin by email... Lee Bartlett sent a couple um, last week and I misinterpreted him apparently he sent me another email uh, this week to say that when he was referring to the three-sided ground that we mentioned and I thought he meant Independiente he says he actually meant Chacarita Juniors is still three-sided and when or indeed if are they going to finish it? No, it's finished It's finished? Yeah So it's just it's meant to have three I guess sides. so, yeah but I'm pretty sure it's, it's finished it's open uh, I'm sure Chacarita don't have much more money to, to do anything else. So. Yeah. And uh, Lee's other question, I think it's a trivia question, is Estudiantes de la Plata 
have shared stadiums with four clubs during their ground rebuild. Mm. Quilmes and the Estadio Único de la Plata, two of those, which mm-hmm. the Estadio Único, of course, is the municipal stadium, which they sort of share with Gimnasia. Mm-hmm. What are the other two? I would say... Arsenal is definitely one. They've played at least one match yeah. in, in Sarandí. I can't remember. I was going to say Lanús and Racing, but perhaps not. Can you remember them playing in Racing? No, but it could happen. Uh, no, no, I was just asking because I was going to say that my other, my, my guess for the second, and it is a guess, would be Lanús or Banfield, would, would seem to be the, mm. the next closest yeah. to La Plata, mm. a sizable, a decent size. Any ideas, Tony? Besides that? No. Okay. I think not, yeah. So, I'm going to, just in case Lee's uh, question actually was a question rather than a trivia one, um, I'm, as I said, they definitely, definitely played at least once in Arsenal. Um, and for the other, we're guessing Lanus, Banfield or Racing. Um, the other question that we have had is from Toby Millard, who says, and it's a very interesting one, he says, is the outcome of the Argentine presidential elections likely to affect the outcome of the Argentine Football Association elections? Mm, I'd say no. Um, both Macri and Scioli have leant towards uh, Tinelli. Of course, Scioli finished his campaign in Tinelli's programme last mm-hmm. week. Uh, so, I actually saw the um, kind of uh, estimated numbers for the vote. Very interesting. It's Luis Segura ahora on 42 and Tinelli on 41, apparently. So it's going to be extremely close. And obviously that will happen after the presidential elections. So I don't know. I don't think it's that related. Yeah. Obviously it's going to be important um, for the future of Football Paradox. Yeah, perhaps with Macri it's its future not isn't as clear, although obviously it would be very, very suicidal for him to take away free football a week into uh, to being president. <laughs> maybe a year or two, but long, long, maybe a year or two. No, a year or two, you won't be able to because we'll have the legislative elections and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's not going to be easy. But I don't think there's a direct relation, as in one person gets elected and it's going to make uh, the other guys. Mm-hmm. Job easy. Mm. No, I think the AFA question is, it's related but uh, sufficiently different enough. Yeah, we we will see. But uh, by and large, the political uh, links or whatever that need to be made um, between the AFA and the government tend to be made after the elections. Obviously, the other thing to point out is that this is the first actual AFA election that's been held in any of our lifetimes mm-hmm. obviously that's somewhat more relevant for, for Tony's lifetime than contested because we've not yeah. well yes precisely yeah, it's going to be the first one that doesn't involve Julio Grandona um, <laughs> and uh, th- there was one involving Julio Grandona and one other person I think in 1991 mm-hmm. or 92 and, and he, got he one was vote. voted down yeah with one vote um, onto Twitter where Joseph Sexton Asks, it seems that Lancini has been doing well at Jamón Unido del Oeste, which is Spanish for West Ham. Um, how have his performances been received over in Argentina? Short answer. They haven't. They haven't. Yeah, <laughs> because, because people don't watch the Premier League here. Um, and the ones who do, he's not don't aware watch of West Ham. Yeah. And no, he's not aware of any West Ham fans, but they've not been noticed. No. What were you saying, Tony? Sorry. I uh, thought only it. Uh, no, I, I, like you said, they haven't been noticed, and mm-hmm. unless you're not aware, you didn't. I, actually, 
sorry for a sidetrack, but I was listening to this uh, spot from Carlos Tevez, I don't know mm-hmm. about what, saying that he made the, the, the Englishman cheer for Argentina. And I was thinking, what did Artiles and Bisha do? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, shut up, Tevez. Oh, shut up, Tevez. Yeah. Sorry for that, but I remember that. No, no, Tony is... And Pichi Fuertes, of course. How are you going to forget Pichi Fuertes? He made... Dozens of dozens of Derby fans chop for an Argentine with a fake Italian passport. Carboni. And Carboni, of course. No, on on a similar note, because... Tony is uh, is um, Tony underscore Hotspur on Twitter and is it was telling me beforehand that he's more of a Tottenham fan than a Boca fan, um, slightly bizarrely, but um, considering you've never actually lived in England. Yep. Um, and I remember meeting a guy in my local in San Telmo like about two or three years ago, probably about our age, and getting talking to him and he was like, "Oh, you're from England? Where am I from?" And we started talking about football. And he says he's a Tottenham fan, and so I said, "It's right." So in fact, sorry, this, this it wasn't two years ago; it was about this time last year. Um, and I said, "Oh right, what? Because of La Vela. And he was like, "No, no, no! I'm a Tottenham fan because my dad was a Tottenham fan." So, I'm, oh, okay, oh, because of Vishen Adilas, obviously. And he looks at me and goes, "Who?" <laughs> and I was like, "Hang on a second. Your dad's obviously a Tottenham fan because of Vishen Adilas, but he hasn't told you." About it, who they yeah. are at all? You just you support them it's because like he beat up. <laughs> Bizarre. Um, more questions. We have Tony asked. Oh, this is our conversation yesterday yes. about okay. whether we can uh, record twenty four hours later, and the answer is yes to that one. Um, Darren Paul asks, "How disappointing was Barreda on Friday night for Racing? My Muppet of the match," he says. Don't Barilla. I think he might mean Videla. 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 Um, First of all, it's almost a miracle that he's still playing because uh, there was a lot said that he would he'd never come back from this injury, which mm. it's a weird one. It's sort of a ligament injury, but kind of lingering, and it feels like he's he's never really got over it. I know he's still playing um, uh, with injections, and he, he's in pain all the time. So. Uh, Come on, Darren, give him a break. It might be a, <laughs> he's playing. He's it might prove to be a slightly curtailed career, yeah. but he's doing well to. Plus, how old is he? Like twenty-seven or twenty-seven? Yeah, yeah. Plus, uh, anyone who saw Viela last year is heroic performances for Racing. He and before for Glenn. Yeah, but I don't care about that. <laughs> you can You can't call him a muppet. He was absolutely vital in the championship. So even if he he never plays for Racing again, he's he's got a place in our hearts. Uh, Darren also asks for Dan's thoughts on Pavone and where was Super Bowl? He's answered to the second of those. Super Pavone. Problem is, you put a guy like Pavone up front, you can hold the ball up, but he was alone. I mean, yeah, there's no one to run off. Someone like Bo can run the, run the attack on his own as he did extremely well against Boca because he moves from side to side, he drags defenders out of position, he lets. The midfielders overlap. He, he creates kind of two on ones. But Bonnie, he does his job. He's um, an honest worker out there, but yeah, he's not the kind of guy who can you can carry a, a strike force by himself. I don't think so. Um, Darren's last question about Racing is one that I'm not going to allow Dan to uh, say anything about for now because it is how many Racing players are making our team of the season. And the answer to that one is going to be. Um, 
right back in two weeks' time and ask us for our team of the season, and we will see. But until the championship's decided, and until the really crunch games have come, uh, we're not going to get... I suspect, however, one thing I will say is, it wouldn't entirely surprise me if collectively we end up going for more Racing players than Boca players, in spite of the fact that Boca are probably going to win the championship, and Racing <laughs> definitely are. Um, Liam Kelly says, I'm sure that Tony's happy with uh, Sheffield Wednesday's 3-0 win against Arsenal de Londres the other night. Um, and says it got me thinking what's the biggest cup shock in South American football I remember a couple of years back in the Copa Argentina when uh, I believe River lost against Tristan Suarez and, no River lost against Estudiantes de Buenos Aires and mm-hmm. then we all laughed and two days later Racing lost against Tristan Suarez mm. that was fairly fairly funny there's not exactly a long history of them of course because no, but there isn't there. A particularly long history yeah. of South American Cups, at least domestic ones. Yeah, I and in terms of continental ones, I remember Sao Caetano when oh, they yeah, won Libertadores, yeah. and it was who? Who are now somewhere back down in the Brazilian third division? Yeah, they've gone bankrupt since and reformed, and now back yeah. in the third division. They've had about two seasons ever in the top flight in Brazil, and, and they won a yeah. for the Libertadores during it. And Kuku uh, as well, who reached Kukuta, the semis yeah. and lost to Boca in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, although that's a bit less of a shock because they were being bankrupt by one of Colombia's main drug cartels. Liga de Quito in, in, in terms of winners, yeah, yeah, that's probably yeah, a good shout. Um, Liam also asks, I mentioned on Saviola, is his bad run of form? He's not. He's played 14 times, I think, since coming back to River, and he hasn't scored. Um, is that down to not adapting to Argentine football? Is it bad luck, or is he just past it? I think a little bit from the first one and a little bit from the second one. Yeah. Uh, from the, yeah. the last one, sorry. Yeah. I'm not sure how much of it is bad luck. Yeah, but, the, it I, maybe, but I think there was more of a marketing move. I don't think a Charlotte really kind of like, wanted. You bring back Tevez, right? We're bringing back Saviola. Oops. <laughs> and it has to be said as well that the, the, the push there from River's point of view is bringing back Saviola and Lucho. Mm-hmm. And Neymar. Oh, and Neymar, yeah, but that was, uh, that was a little bit early. I, I mean, they brought back Saviola and Lucho on the same day. And Lucho hasn't set the world alight but he's turned out to be a fairly decent squad player mm-hmm. um, could he do a job in the Argentina team in this kind of position no. we're looking no there we go no I'm short <laughs> to the point I, mean, I like it he's been a, a useful squad player for River to be able to rotate uh, normally replacing uh, Poncio or sometimes replacing Carlos Sanchez but mm-hmm. he's he's not as mobile as he was he's not got the pace that he once had I, I would love to see him back in the Argentina team um, because he's a player that I love uh, but no he, I don't think he could play for Argentina now. there we go um, Chris Hartley asks uh, earlier sorry last night after he thought we'd recorded because he didn't see my tweet cancelling the recording um, saying I know that Handapod's been recorded already but is there a worry in Argentina that they are not exactly blessed with not central midfielders but goalkeepers I don't agree with that no no, no. Thing yes. is, they don't have the marketing on the publicity by the media. Like yeah, they should have. They don't, you know, they only we, make it when we've mentioned when they a few times that we've mentioned a few times that the Argentine Primera. One reason, perhaps, that in, few, in not too distant past championships have seen relatively few goals is that the the, the good strikers all go off to Europe fairly early, and the good mm-hmm. goalkeepers more often than not stay here. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think there's a, there's a very good crop of goalkeepers in. In the top flight, we got Sacco in Racing, of course. You got Torrico in San Lorenzo, who's very good. Barovero, Orion, and then behind him, Sara. Um, Carante's done fantastically in 
in Central. Monet is good. Monet is good. Monet is very good. Uh, you look at the guys who went uh, to Mexico, Guzman and Marchesin, who are in the, you're in the Argentina squad, Rulli and Real Sociedad. Um, and apart from that, I mean, the great thing about goalkeepers, if we're talking from a national squad perspective, is that you only really need one. Yeah, mm. I think that Argentina have more of the um, best um, group of goalkeeping coaches in the world, mm-hmm. the, especially in the young ones. Yeah, I remember Fiol, obviously, is the, 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 or was at least for a very long time. I don't know whether he still is, but he, he was the main goalkeeping coach yeah. at the national team. I remember a, a guy from, from Unión de Santa Fe called Luis Ojeda. I know if he's ah, in Argentina. He was in Argentina yeah. first, I think. And he was really good, but he didn't have the chance to, to mm-hmm. play very much. And yeah. I, when I, I saw him with Union in the National in the National League... One thing, uh, if I can interrupt, so, yeah, but w- w- one thing that I think is a little bit of a worry is that I think that there are some of the goalkeepers, including many of the ones that Daniel's mentioned, Monetti, Barrovero, are two who particularly strike me for this. Um, of, and I guess, again, we come back now to the kind of football that gets played in the Argentine Primera. Very, very, very good shot stoppers, but the other areas of their game are sometimes a little bit... Hmm. Mm. And and in fairness, Sergio Romero shows it sometimes as well. Yeah, he's horrible with the ball at his feet. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I've defended Romero many many times um, on on this podcast and, and in articles and so on. Said before last year's World Cup that he might well turn out to to surprise a lot of people, and he did. But he's a much better shot stopper than he is coming for crosses. He's a much better shot stopper than he is linking up with his defence. I mean, in Romero's case, you could put it down to him just not getting very much practice playing actual matches um, <laughs> when something like one-fifth of the first team games he's played in his career have been for Argentina. Um, it's amazing. He's the yeah. most capped goalkeeper in Argentine history and he's and never he's really been the first choice for any... He's any played something team. like 170 yeah. first team games for clubs. It, it's ridiculous. And but the guy, I interviewed, the guy I interviewed for my for the piece I did on El Tita, the, the Racing Academy, uh, Marcelo Stones, he put Romero as, as the best guy that's come out of the academy. Ahead of Vieto, again, ahead of Lisandro Lopez, ahead of the Zuccolini brothers, ahead of any other guys. Said so, no, you look at what he's achieved. No, just for the case of what he's achieved, he's done something historic, and and you can't you can't overlook that. You can't mm. minimize that. Yeah, but I think more more of uh, that thing is the, the the topic in in the world of football in tactics. Mm. You know, it's kind of getting late how. The goalkeepers are part of the team in the, in the build-up of the play mm-hmm. instead of just stopping shots, mm-hmm. and they have that that difference. Then you don't mm-hmm. see it actually. You know, it's like with the midfielders. You, they are like ten years uh, kind of uh, late mm-hmm. on on creating that kind of uh, build-up with mm-hmm. the with the goalkeeper involved. Yeah. With the, the is a little bit better. He's yeah, but because Martino made it. Fit. Yeah. Martinos always made it like okay, you have to play, you have to keep uh, try to be more involved with that. Mm-hmm. You have to to ask for the ball and, and try to create the the build up. Yeah. But because Martino wanted that that yeah. way. It's not and Martino didn't didn't do it with Paraguay because no. Bichard yeah. was really awful with yeah. with his feet. But it's because they were forced, and now they start to do that. But like everything else in in tactics, Argentina is more or less always a little bit late. Yeah, but like everything, really. We, yeah, but you have a, a few good minds that change that, like we also. Mm, yeah, um, 
we have a tweet from Rob Crisp who asks, is a Crucero del Norte victory away to Racing on Saturday more likely than an email in reply from Dan Edwards? Dan I have replied to Rob's email. He wants to go to the I game. I have the email with him back now. Okay, <laughs> good. After seeing this tweet, I assume. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> Glad to hear it. If you start talking about a Crucero victory, that makes me makes me go into action. Well, it would be fairly typical. I mean, a lot of people would say this is typical racing if Crucero del Norte's one, even just draw away from home this year, turned out to be in their very last match away to racing, wouldn't it? But still. Uh, Darren Paul asks Luis Farina has been a revelation for me on Football Manager 2012, but what's he up to in reality? 2012? I, I think he needs a new, a new computer, right? Yeah, well, Football Manager 2012. That's uh, the, I think yeah. in 22. Uh, he says FM12, yeah. but it's fair what's enough. What's he up to in reality? I've got no idea. Uh, what's what in Portugal? Portugal? I think he's playing pretty well. Ah, Deportivo. Deportivo. Yeah. Which is nearly okay. Portugal, to be fair. Um, Historically, once upon a time. He said, yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't too far away. No, I remember he, he came into the team last year and he, he had a few good games. I don't know what he's up to, to this year. There we go. Uh, Liam Kelly asks, how low has Balanta fallen? He was unrecognisable last night. River were poor as well, and the scoreline was a lot closer than it should have been. I agree with Liam. I agree with what he's implying with that question. And Rob Crisp also has tweeted back to say, is it worth River sticking with Alvarez Balanta, or should Mamana be above him now in the pecking order? I would say, to Liam's question, he's fallen very low. Um, He's obviously got the talent, and he's got the time, and he's got the mentality. Uh, to sort himself out but at the moment he's not playing well and for the moment I would say that I agree with what Rob says I think Mamana probably should now be given time particularly given that River aren't really particularly you know in the league they've got two games left and they don't care about them stick Mamana in to start and give him the experience Um, Rob Brown asks is reminiscing about past players so popular in Argentina purely because all of today's good ones are abroad we do see a lot of retrospectives on Argentine television. Well, today I think what influenced this was uh, an interview Rekelma gave to, to Pura Química, which I didn't see, but I heard mention of it. And obviously everyone starts talking about if that it. is what's caused Rob to ask the question, then I would say, first of all, Rob, it's stop watching Rekel- Pura Química. <laughs> no, I think he saw in in Twitter, you know, the Argentine guys, guys he followed were all talking about this Rekelma interview. Okay, carry on. Anyway, um, no, the nostalgia feeling is is obviously very strong in Argentina, and not just in football, but kind of in, in everything. I think in all well, nostalgic society. people. Hmm? We are nostalgic people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, similar to Spain, Italy is kind of it's this idea of kind of venerating and and remembering. You know, yeah, that's so in, in the case people. of Argentina. Whether you're talking about football or whether you're talking about really anything to do with Argentine yep. history. Looking into the middle of the 20th century is when Argentina was, in pretty much every respect, one of the great nations in the world. You had, it was the golden age of Argentine football in, in sort of the, well, the 40s when they weren't playing World Cups. And it was also Argentina was something like the third richest country in the, in the world at the end of the Second World War. It's the golden age of Peru. And so all of this, and well, and that as well. And it's stuff that, whether you like it or not, a lot of. Um, a lot of Argentines will look back on very fondly. And so to but that that's like when the, the famous us. phrase that we all use in Argentina, the todo tiempo pasado fue mejor. Mm. All Which, the past was better. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Absolutely. So it's th- th- there's a bit of everything in there. And I think yeah. that um, 
is I, it? I, again, is it that much different? Like, I agree to an extent with what Rob is suggesting, but mm-hmm. also I think Argentina, South America generally, because well, particularly Uruguay as well. I found it very much in, in Montevideo. Perhaps not surprising when you go to a country that has that won the first World Cup that was ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're countries that are very, very, very in touch with their footballing history mm-hmm. as much as with their footballing reality. Um, and Lawrence Hart says, are there any rumours of where Diego Coca will go? I mentioned that we were going to be talking about managerial changes and that is because today Diego Coca and Edgardo Bausa, the managers of Racing and San Lorenzo respectively, both gave press conferences a few hours apart announcing that at the end of this year their contracts are up and they're not renewing them. Um, so Lawrence, obviously the Racing fan, is, is asking about where Coca is going to go. Uh, any club in Argentina, he says, would surely be a step backwards. But there have been some rumours, if they're not, that he might end up replacing Balso San Lorenzo. I haven't heard that. Just to speak a, a little more generally on this point, because I think it's quite interesting how Balsa and, and Coca have, have announced their departure the same day, because there's a point, there's a case we made that San Lorenzo and Racing have always kind of followed a similar, um, a similar, similar trajectory mm-hmm. through history. They had the kind of this disastrous time in the 80s when they were the two, the first two Grandes to, to go down. Um, San Lorenzo off the pitch had the indignity of losing their stadium and Racing of course uh, went bankrupt and had to be bowed out by a business. A couple of decades apart, we should clarify, but yeah, I agree that that's a, a parallel quite nicely. Yeah, and then also in 2001, there was a case that both of them were seeking titles when the, when the country exploded, uh, racing the, their first Primera División title for, what was it, 35 years back then in San Lorenzo, their first international title ever in the Copa Mercosur. And actually, Racing managed to play before before 2002, and I think San Lorenzo had to wait until January. And now this, um, for for quite a few Racing fans, that 2001 title was great, it was fun, but it kind of had an, an asterisk against it because uh, Blanqui Celeste won it. Mm. The, the company that was controlling Racing instead of the, the, the members, the yep. socios. And... Uh, of course, San Lorenzo had the same situation. They won an international title, but it's not the Libertadores. For that reason, I think Coca and Bausa are two guys that are going to stay in the club's history. Maybe not as much for the style of play, for, um, for what we saw in the field, because Coca, as you know, a tactician for um, his style of play, never overly infused me, but and neither, I'm sure, if you talk to to a lot of San Lorenzo fans, they'll, they'll tell you exactly the same about Balsa, but they're, they're two guys that, that won big things for, for their club. They're things that in recent history haven't come, come around very often, or, or even history in San Lorenzo's case. So, uh, for that reason, the two guys that, um, are going to be, they're going to have their names up on, on the club, they're going to be remembered through history, and although Coca was in Racing for a year and a half and Bausa a little bit young, longer, two years. And, uh, the two guys uh, that left the mark, mm. no doubt about it. Um, so going back to Lawrence's question, I was about to say, slightly, let's drag this back on topic. Yeah. Um, 
the most likely destination for Cocker for me is Mexico. It's a place where he's been, he's played there, he's managed there, and there've already been there's already been speculation that even before the announcement today that he would be courted by a Mexican club. So yeah. I don't think another club in Argentina is likely. I'd say so. Mexico is the place for Coca. I, I think that I did see somebody, I think a Brazilian journalist, in fact, tweet earlier that pretty much any club in Brazil would have either of them. I would agree mm-hmm. with that. I think particularly Balsa has. As long as the fans aren't going to be too demanding about the style of play, I would say he's got pretty much the pick of the continent because Bowser, let's not forget, is a manager who's won the Copa Libertadores with two clubs mm-hmm. from two different countries, neither of whom had ever won it before. Um, so if you're a big club in your own country and you're looking for a return to continental glory, Easy, I mean, he's a manager with some serious pedigree because that level of consistency in South American football mm. is not easy to find. I'm winning the Libertadores with an Ecuadorian side as he did with El Liu Quito in 2008 I think Eight. it was yes, um, is astonishing achievement mm-hmm. um, but Coca equally I, I'd agree with, with what I read on Twitter that, that either of them can go to pretty much any Brazilian club at the moment particularly with the level that Brazilian managers are operating on <laughs> at the moment which is not brilliant um, Has it ever been good? I mean Brazilian clubs change their coaches every five games. Well, in the last couple of decades, definitely <laughs> yeah. not. I mean, yeah. it, it seems to have stagnated and, and there are a lot of Argentine managers coming through, as we've mentioned mm. uh, many times. Um, the final question, also from Lawrence, is is Diego Milito being considered for the Racing job? If he won the Copa Libertadores for Racing as a manager, he would truly be the Roy Race of Argentine football. Milito doesn't have to do anything more to be our idol. He's I apologise, sorry for that noise. It would appear that my upstairs neighbours just dragged the table across the floor. Carry on, Dan. Yeah. Um, Milito, for the fans, doesn't have anything else to prove. He, he won the league in 2001 as a, as a snot-nosed kid. And he came back as the team's elder statesman uh, 13 years afterwards. And, and he won the league again. Um, it's impossible to, to express the gratitude that uh, Racing fans have for him. In fact... I don't know if you're aware about this. Every night at um, 22 past 10, um, Racing fans on Twitter put up photos of, of Melito. Is that why they do that? Yeah, 22, 22. It's, it's, it's Melito time. Please tell me they schedule the, hmm? the tweets. They schedule the tweets on, tw- on Twitter, right? Because I don't know. I look like stay up and then do it by hand. Because well, 22, minutes 22 past 10 isn't exactly late. But no, I know that, yeah. but to actually... It's one Check the to, clocks, you know. Yeah, yeah. To just do, okay, I'm going to sit down now for the week and do a load of scheduled tweets. It's another thing to stay yeah. up and every single night to hammer it on at that time. I think you can. Nothing will surprise you with Racing fans. Nothing surprises me. And I remember there was an interview a while back with Melito. Um, uh, Gail asked him, No, Melito, do you know that every night at 22 past 10, um, Racing fans stay up to, to tweet your name and say, Thanks, Melito? He said, Nah, they're all crazy. Well, they are. Uh, no, I don't see him as as, a man, as the coach now. Uh, at the moment, there's also um, um, a plan on Saturday at, in the 22nd minute of the game to applaud Milito and ask oh, him yeah. to stay on as, for another season as a player. Mm. Which, 
Um, Which isn't going to work, let's face it. It's going to be hard. I mean, sorry, it's really felt. What I mean is the physical, physical toll. In, in this the year. the applause may or may not work, but what I mean is Melito staying on for another year as a player isn't going to work because, as you say, no, I mean, he could, he could make an impact as a sub or. Um, sorry, back. but against who? The the, the 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 plot thing on the twenty two minutes I guess. So you want Cruzeiro Norte to score a goal, remember Saha? What happened? But if we get Melita to stay we'll happily give up them three points. I oh, think yeah. for the benefit of new listeners we should clarify what happened with Saha. Mm. Yeah, uh, in the first match of the season against Central, I think nineteen or twenty minutes in, uh, he officially passed the the record of um the unbeaten yeah, without conceding so a goal because they counted wrong and he was actually about two minutes shorter no I think he no he did get the record he did of the professional era records there was well, another one yeah, yeah. And he was like I, I was, I was tracking it the all time record I was well, tracking it and it was yeah. like four seconds yeah, yeah. so Short, yeah. they started applauding and yeah five four seconds later he gives away the ball from a, from a kick and Franco Servin knocks it in for the only goal of the game Apart from that, you know, Racing have lost. They've played against uh, Rosarino opposition three times this year and, and lost all three. Anyway, you want Milita to, to, to get injured or something. That's that's the case. No, no. <laughs> with the run of class. Then he can come off. But. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, as a coach, I don't see him. The names I've seen so far are, are interesting names. Uh, Facundo Sava. The Kilmes coach is winning a lot of plaudits and also has um, a racing past. Uh, Gustavo Costas, who is mm-hmm. currently unemployed after winning li- winning titles in pretty much all of South America, sticking his flag down. And uh, he was most recently the coach of Independiente de Santa Fe. Independiente who, who de Archeneas. Opposition. Eight minutes ago. Yes. Independiente, Independiente. And he said, on this guy, in this tie, he's, he's a bigger fan of. Santa Fe, than ever. Uh, surprise, surprise. The other two names that we've been throwing around is uh, Barras Quiloto. Mm. If he's, it looks like at least uh, it's Lanús time might might be coming to an end. And the last one is Luis Obelia, which again, again, <laughs> really, <laughs> which I don't see happening. But it's been mentioned. I can't see the fans being too being too pleased with that. I'd say for me, it's out of Costas and and Sal. And not give it to Costas. He's a he's a good guy. We'll see. Um, the next music that you hear is Mystic Sam's theme music. After which Mystic Sam will be here to tell you what to bet your pocket money on this coming weekend, with several decisive matches coming up. Friday nights, two matches are both being played at the same time. That is because they are potentially decisive for the relegation battle. Godoy Cruz against Colón de Santa Fe, I think, is going to be a Godoy Cruz win. And that, I suspect, is going to open things up for Nueva Chicago, who I think are going to beat Sarmiento away from home. If that happens, then Chicago will go two points behind Colón with one game to play and both of them have played exactly the same number of matches in Primera which means that basically you don't need to worry about points per game you can just look at the, the difference so Chicago to go into the last weekend with some life in them still 
on Saturday. I'm going for Gimnasia La Plata against Atlantico de Rafaela to be a Gimnasia win. Uh, Belgrano against Estudiantes, I think it's going to be a draw and probably a low scoring one. Newells versus Lanús is also going to be. Hang on a second. Sorry. Uh, yes, it's also going to be a draw because they're both awful. That's the one match this weekend that if you're not going to watch one game, make sure you don't watch that one. Um, Racing versus Crucero del Norte is. I mean. Crucero del Norte have lost 14 out of 14 away from home in 2015 and have lost 11 of their last 12 matches. I'm going for Racing since they're a semi-competent team at least to win that game um, and I think we then move to Sunday's games don't we yes Racing play at 8.30 the last game oh that was Sunday's game no Saturday at 8.30 the last ah, right, game okay, right. so now all these games we think are on Sunday Vélez Southfield against River Plate is a draw um, Union de Santa Fe against San Martín de San Juan that might be on Saturday or that perhaps Perhaps Vélez against Rivers on Saturday, actually. Yeah. Um, Union against San Martín is an Union win. Banfield against Rosario Central, these are the three games that are taking place all at once now, is a Rosario Central victory. Boca Juniors versus Tigre. I really hope that Boca drop points, but I think that they're going to win. Um, and the other one, San Lorenzo are... Hang on a second, I need to scroll down so I can do these in the right order... Uh, San Lorenzo against Tempele is a San Lorenzo victory. The other games on Sunday are Aldo Civi versus Independiente is the late match on Sunday, and I think that Independiente are going to win it in spite of the fact they're currently in action. Um, on Monday, Quilmes versus Huracan is going to be a return to form for Quilmes and a win. And Arsenal de Sarandí against Defensa Justicia is an Arsenal win but not by very much the only reason that I'm going for a home win in that one is that those two teams almost never draw uh, there is one game left over which means that I've put one game too many on either Saturday or Sunday um, Argentinos Juniors versus Olimpo the last game of the lot 21.30 kickoff on Monday night and I'm going to it because I'm a dickhead um, it's going to be a draw wonderful any arguments Jones? yeah I think you've really stuck your neck out with a racing win, but yeah, let's hope, no, it's, let's uh, hope you're right. Being racing, it, I, I was. Uh, I think you missed a question. General alpha questions? No, that's not a hand of pod question. Um, that's a question for me to answer by email. I'm almost certain of that anyway. Um, thank you very much, gents. It's, it's been a pleasure, Tony, particularly. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, I hope I can return sometime. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're in Buenos Aires, you're more than welcome. Um, before we say goodbye properly, I should return to... Uh, return to? No, that's not right. I should repeat. That's the word I was looking for. Um, the uh, message from our sponsors, the Argentina Independent, who have paid for the alcohol, which caused me to mix up my words just then. Um, they're a fine source of English language news and current affairs and historical bits and pieces and photo essays and lots of other stuff from Argentina and across Latin America. And you can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com and follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indy. That's Argentina I-N-D-Y. We thank them very much for their support throughout 2015. Um, and on that note, it is time to bid farewell from English Down. Goodbye. Uh, from Tony, who it's been a pleasure to have here and a pleasure to meet for the first time at last. Thank you very much and goodbye to all the listeners. Hope to return sometime. Thank you, Tony. And as I say, it's a pleasure to have you back. Uh, it will be a pleasure to have you back. 
Well, it should have been. And it's a pleasure to have had you for the first time, as it were. Um, and thank you and goodbye from me. Goodbye. A quick post-podcast update now. Uh, Independiente Santa Fe versus Independiente has just finished in Bogota and it ended 1-1. Independiente got a very late equaliser, but it was not enough to uh, rescue their, themselves from a 2-1 aggregate defeat, which means that the Copa Sudamericana semi-finals, which kick off next week, are going to be River Plate against Huracan and Independiente Santa Fe against Sportivo Luqueño. Uh, 